Church family, it is really good to be with you this morning. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Heights. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, whether here in person or you're online, tuned in, checking us out either right now, live, or later this week, we just want to say welcome. Really glad that you're here. Um, you know, as Jason mentioned, we've been in this sermon series called A Better Story. And this week, we're asking this question. How do I read the Bible for renewal? Another way to ask that question, to rephrase it, is how do I read the Bible and get something out of it? That's the question. Like, how do I read it, get something out of it? Like, where do I start? What does that time look like? And I know if you're like me or probably like most people, one of the biggest things that keeps us from engaging with the Bible, from actually cracking open the Bible, is it just feels intimidating sometimes. It feels daunting. It feels intimidating. It feels confusing and overwhelming and complicated. And we can make a whole list of reasons why maybe we don't open up the Bible and read for ourselves. Or maybe you've read the Bible before, but you know, it, it just feels like you've kind of fallen out of this rhythm. And I don't know, it's hard to turn the corner on making this a normal rhythm in your life. But as you'll see this morning, we're going to talk about this. Like, let's not allow intimidation. Let's not allow fear to keep us from a rich, vibrant, whole life with God through Bible reading. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us right now. And I'm going to ask the Lord to like, be with us in this time, to open our ears to hear, to respond to the way he would have us respond this morning. And then we're going to dive in, okay? Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we readily admit that we need you. Lord, we need to hear from you. We know that you speak to us through the Bible. And so this morning, would you speak to us? Would you draw us near? Lord, we pray a, a, a blessing over this time that we would not be distracted, that we would engage with what the Word says about, like what the Bible says about the Bible, and that we would be a people at the Heights Church who read the Bible, that we would be Bible-saturated people, but then we would be people who respond obediently, Lord. Help us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, I can remember as a kid being super intimidated, kind of on this like thought process of being intimidated. I remember as a kid being really intimidated of rollerblades. My best friends were all into it and I was terrified. I was terrified. I thought to myself, honestly, like go with me here. How could this go well for me to take these cheap, plastic, rigid boots from Kmart? That was the first problem that have wheels on the bottom, and I'm supposed to like stand up and in this like really rhythmic, like smooth way, not fall. That's what I would, that's 10 year old Jonathan's thinking like that, okay? So I thought like, how can this ever go well for me? We actually have a picture. These are the exact skates I'm talking about right here. These, by the way, if you're interested, these are on eBay. They used to be $29.99 in 1997 at Kmart. They're about $200 now on eBay. So if you're in the market, like, here you go. Here's your ticket. But I thought this over and over, and I kept opting out. I was watching my friends, and I just kept opting out. I'm like, I can't do this. This is too scary. There's too much to lose. It's too risky. And let's just be honest, boots, like, we wear boots for grip, not for rolling. 
right? So it just didn't, it wasn't squaring in my head. But here's the deal. I did eventually learn to roller skate. I know that some of you were probably really worried about me just now. You were thinking, Jonathan, it's okay, man. It's okay. We love you without, even if you didn't learn to rollerblade. It's okay. I learned, okay? I learned. But I didn't start out on the half pipe, okay? I didn't even start out on the homemade ramps that my friends were building in the driveway. You know how I started? By just putting them on. The first thing, first time, I just put them on. And then I was able to stand up, and then I fell down shortly after. But I was able to then stand And then I was able to start rolling a little bit. Now, I didn't know that these were brakes. So whenever I would start rolling and I needed to stop, you either do the like slam into something or you just kind of bail off into the neighbor's yard and hope for the best. But then I learned these goofy back corners are brakes. And I began to be able to control myself a little bit better. I could stop. And before long, the very thing I was intimidated by were inseparable from me. We had a rule in my house that I couldn't wear them inside. I still don't understand the rule, but I couldn't wear them inside. I never wanted to take them off, but I was scared of them at first. I never wanted to take them off. Even when I came in for lunch or go to the bathroom or whatever, I just wanted to leave them on in the house. But then, as I progressed in my rollerblading skills, I ended up taking these two middle wheels off, all right, to do two things to do some crazy sick grinding on the curb, all right? But number two, and more importantly, so that I could ride my bike without ever having to take my rollerblades off, all right? That's, re- that's a true story. I had my mom looking for a picture, but we couldn't find one. Um, but like, I never wanted to take them off after that. I didn't want to have to take them off. Now, let me just tell you, that is high quality summer life for 10-year-old Jonathan right there. That's high quality. Need to ditch your bike to make a quick getaway? No worries. I'm still on my rollerblades. You know what I mean? I was unstoppable. I could just keep rolling. But think about my life as a 10-year-old. Had I never learned to start somewhere rollerblading, I would have been stuck on my bike all summer in regular tennis shoes. Think about that. Terrible life. If I had let the fear of getting started keep me from learning. And honestly, the same is true for us in learning to read our Bibles. Most of us allow the fear of not knowing how to get started or where to get started keep us from genuinely experiencing the renewing work of God in our lives. And sometimes we allow the fear of failing, like maybe we've done it before and we just can't seem to find the rhythm. We never can turn, make the, like turn the corner on this being a normative part of our rhythm. We allow that to keep us from engaging the Bible. We settle for life on a 13-inch black and white dial turn tube TV when there's this IMAX 3D, which I don't even know if that's a real thing, experience waiting on us with God. And so, let's not let intimidation keep us, hold us back from experiencing the rich life that God has for us through his word. And so where do we get started? The big question this morning is this, how do I read the Bible for renewal? How to read the Bible for 
renewal. Renewal is the goal. And so to bring back our renewal, our cycle of renewal from a few weeks ago, we talked about this maybe about six weeks ago. We learn to hear the word, aka we read it. We learn to trust the word. That is not just believe in God generically, but to trust God and to trust that what he says in his word is both for our good and for our joy. So we're learning to hear. We're learning to trust. We're learning to obey. This is where we always get hung up. Like we like to think about this all the time. We want to actually obey. We want to apply it and live it. And then we speak it back to one another. And this is the cycle. This is how renewal happens within our lives is when we give ourselves to this cycle using the Bible, the word of God. And so practically speaking, like how do we actually do that? Like let's bring this into our lives, real lives. How do we actually do that? How do we read the Bible for renewal? Well, as Dana just read, we're going to jump into Psalm 19 first, and we're going to see, we're going to look at David's words in the Bible, and we're going to see the value that the Bible plays in the life of a Christian, like the value that the Bible plays. And then we're going to really practically, like we're going back to school, okay? We're going to learn how to do a Bible reading method, okay? So we're going to Look at this Bible passage, dive off of there, and we're going to actually look at a method of Bible reading and journaling um, so that we can engage renewal through the Bible, all right? So first thing we're going to see, this is excessively, this is an excessively long point, okay? And I did it on purpose. So this is it. Number one, first thing we're going to see is there is a rich, vibrant, deep, exciting, adventurous, fun, renewing, joyful life available with God through his word, unapologetically long and descriptive and beautiful. This is what's available for us if we will engage with God's word, all right? So we're going to jump into Psalm 19, starting in verse 7, and uh, we're going to jump over those first six verses. What we see there is how God has generally revealed himself through nature. We live in Colorado. If we look west, we can understand why we feel awe when we see the, the snow-capped mountains. Like, that's what the first six verses are talking about. But this is where it starts in verse 7, where God begins to talk about how he has specifically revealed himself to us through his words. And so we're going to zoom in on that. We're going to focus specifically on these words. And so the first thing we're going to look at are how, how David describes the words of God, okay? So we're first going to look at how he describes the words, starting in verse 7. Look at this with me. If you're joining online, you can see it on the screen. You can pull up from your phone or your Bible. But this is what David says. He says this. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Can you say that out loud with me? The instruction of the Lord is all right? Renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is enduring forever. Lastly, the ordinances of the Lord are and altogether righteous. Do you know how much it blesses me that you guys read that out loud just now? 
That just that was that was so good to hear you guys read the Bible. He, I, I'm worried that I'm going to get in the way of what this word says. Like I'm worried that I'm going to say something that gets in the way of the beauty of this. So here's what I want. I want you to just look at this for a minute. This is going to seem odd for a second, but I just want you to stare at these words and think about for just a second what they're saying about the Bible. Okay. Think about those underlying words. I'm literally going to give you 15 seconds to just stare at the Bible, okay? God's word is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, and reliable. Don't those, don't those descriptors of the word sound like something you want to root your life on? Like, that is an incredible reality. But look at this. It, it gets better. Notice this. We're going to look at these same verses. We're going to see the result of what those words do in our lives next. All right? So let's flip, this, flip the, the, the screen. Okay, here we go. Same verse, different underline and bold. I want you guys to read this out loud with me, okay? The instruction of the Lord is pure. Okay, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. The precepts or rules of the Lord are right. The command of the Lord is radiant. The fear of the Lord is pure. Lastly, the ordinance of the Lord are reliable. This is the potential of God's word in our lives. Like, I want you to see this for yourself. Look at these words. I, I th think about the promises here renewal. We've been talking about that since the new year. Like the, the potential of God's word is to bring renewal to your life. Renewal, wisdom, joy, spiritual insight, holiness, integrity. Those are the results. Those are the results of us hearing, trusting, obeying, and speaking God's word in our lives. That's the results. Those are the results. But here's, the, here's what's really jumped out to me this week, because I've wrestled with this passage, is what comes right after this, verses 10 and 11. They, this is what David says, are, he's talking about the words of God, are more desirable than gold, than, abundant, than abundance of pure gold. So they're valuable. He says this, and... Sweeter than honey, dripping from the honeycomb. Okay? They're valuable and they're enjoyable. God's word is valuable and it's enjoyable. And then he gives us a little add-on here. In addition, verse 11. Your servant, so David, is warned by them. So these are, they provide a guardrail for life. Stay within this. Stay within this. These are the guardrails. And in keeping them, there is abundant reward. They pay off big time. They're not just these ancient words written in this book that we have. 
feel like I need to say very little about this. Like, again, I, I risk getting in the way of what God's word says about itself here. It's more desirable than gold and, and uh, than abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. Thus, knowing and trusting and obeying and speaking God, God's word is more valuable than anything in the world and more enjoyable than anything in the world. That, that's what this Bible passage is saying. But let me just be honest with you guys for a second. I'll be honest with you. Like taking off my pastor hat because I'm supposed to say things like that, aren't I? Like if I didn't, I weren't doing my job. But like putting on just normal average Monday morning Jonathan. I'm a little skeptical of that. I mean, more valuable than anything. That's what David says. More enjoyable than anything. And I don't know about you, but I can think of a lot of valuable things in the world. Like a lot. That's an easy one for us. Like there's a lot of valuable things out there. Like money is an easy one, right? Like we, we value money. And I think like I looked up this week. I'm not super connected with who's like the most wealthy people in the world or anything like that. So I looked it up this week for context. And it's Elon Musk. And apparently, as of last week, he is worth about $197 billion, with a B dollars, okay? And what the Bible says here, this is David's claim, who, by the way, is a wealthy person writing, who doesn't condemn wealth, but he says God's word's more valuable than it. He puts it in perspective, right? That's what he says. More valuable. But maybe money isn't your thing. In fact, $197 billion is a a little bit difficult for like the average person to like wrap their mind around. So like, let's just throw that one out. Let's say, oh yeah, we, we, yeah, whatever, that's fine. David appeals then to our enjoyment, our pleasure, our experience. And, you know, he gives this honeycomb illustration a way to engage our pleasures. As I thought about it this week, this one's way more appealing to us, at least maybe in Denver. It's like way more appealing to us for most people. And as I thought about it this week, it really hit me hard. What David is saying is that God's word in living in obedience under the authority of God's word in the way God designed is actually the most enjoyable life we could ever live. That's what he's saying. It's better than any other experience we could attain. It's better than, let's see, I have a whole list here. The best sex you could ever have. It's better than the most romantic connection you could ever have with another human being. It's better than being loved by another human being. Someone who can offer love to us. It's better and more fulfilling than any relationship we could ever have with another person than having the best family, than the most meaningful and purposeful job, the best vacation and travel experience. Like, whatever you fill in the blank as the most enjoyable thing. Like, I'm not demeaning those things. Those are good things. God gives us us these things to enjoy. He gives us relationships. He gives us, like, experiences to enjoy. But that's not David's not saying that they're not valid. He's saying God's word's better than those things. Which is a crazy claim, all right? 
David's claim here is that God's word is more valuable and more enjoyable than anything else, period. And so like, I, I, I say that to say, I don't always experience God's word just like that, though. But if this were true, David being a very wealthy man who has it all, a man who has every experience at his fingertips, and he says from his lived experience of both having valuable things and having enjoyable experiences, he says God's word is better. And so maybe we don't believe that. But wouldn't we want to give it a shot? Like, wouldn't you want to try that? If that's a wild claim, wouldn't you want to give it a shot? At least try it. Even if it's a fraction true. Wouldn't you want to try it? Wouldn't you want to re-engage it if you have read the Bible and it's been a part of your life, but it's no longer a part of your life? I'll just be honest. I feel like I'm, I run the risk of like overselling this. But... This is what the Bible says about, its tr- about itself. The vast majority of us probably have never experienced anything like what David writes here. It, at least not consistently, like day in and day out. And m- most days don't typically feel like this. This is the most valuable thing I've ever had. This is the most enjoyable experience I've ever had. Like most days... It doesn't feel this like, ma- like this magical thing. But, but there's a potential for it, guys. That's what David's showing us here. Like, there's a potential for this to literally change your life. And I, I don't feel like this most days, right? Like, I don't want to project this robot spirituality. Like, most days... I'm just trying to create some time to hear from the Lord. I'm just trying to create 30 minutes to like sit with the Bible and open my journal and open my life to God and say, God, what do you want to do today? Like, I'm just trying to do that most days. It doesn't feel like this super momentous thing. I remember back in early August, maybe even late July, um, me and my wife, Sarah, were sitting on our porch swing on her front porch. And uh, she said, she just asked me, she's like, Jonathan, are you okay? Like, you just, you just don't seem great right now. And I'm a pretty bubbly, energetic, like, I'm always cutting up. I'm, I, that, that's my personality. And I just was kind of off. And I hadn't really thought about it, but we were, you know, several months into this, like, new COVID world. And I was just struggling, guys. Like, I was. I was just feeling isolated, like probably many of you do. Some of you, if you're joining from home right now, you might feel that. Felt isolated. Just kind of felt sad about life. I felt dry. Like I just felt like dry. That's the best word I could describe. I just felt dry. And I remember Sarah, like she kind of said that and it all kind of fell into place in my mind of like, oh, I'm just like spiritually in a funk right now. I'm struggling. Like I'm having a really hard time. And I remember um, we were doing read through the book like we're doing right now, reading through the Bible in a year. And I remember on August 2nd, I went back and found this in my journal. On August 2nd, I wrote this in my journal. This was my journal entry for the day. I'd read, evidently I'd read Psalm 59 
And I said, Lord, help me be my refuge. I was struggling, feeling disconnected, missed you guys, honestly. I genuinely just was like a little bit depressed about not being in this room with you all. I kept at it, not excited about it, but on August the 6th, I wrote, be my rock and my refuge. Really had the refuge theme going that week out of Psalm 70. And I slowly but surely kept going back to the word. I kept going back to God's word. I was trying to believe for myself that was more valuable and more enjoyable than anything else, even if it didn't feel like it. If I'm allowed to say this, like as a pastor, like I was kind of force feeding myself the word. I didn't want it. I just was doing it. And this is what I wrote on, uh, I think, August 19th. Yeah. I sense you're pulling me out of this drought. You're using Revelation 3, 1 through 6 to do it. And I started this like slow climb out of just what, you know, I didn't even know I was in this like dry, spiritual, weird funk. But I, I started this like climb out of this hole that I didn't realize I was in. And the, can you put that back up? The, the common theme for me, I just want you guys to see this, is it was the words of God, the words of God, and the words of God that kept doing that for me. And it wasn't awesome. It wasn't impressive. You see my journal entry. I was hanging on, but it was the word that does it. Like, I'm weak. I wrote this down. I'm just not strong enough to do it without you, Lord. Like, I'm just not. I'm weak. I'm too nearsighted. Like, I just can't. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you feel dry. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel weak. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in life. Like life is drowning you right now in decisions and confusion. You feel just a little bit aimless right now. You feel lacking. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you I'm real, one, I'm glad you're here and you're hearing this. But, but two, like you're in the prime position to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Because he's not interested in like our self-sufficient lives where we have it all together and we like, he's an add-on to what we're already doing. He's not interested in that. But when we come and we say, Lord, I, I'm struggling. Lord, help me. Simply. Like he's very interested in being our refuge in a time of need. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're feeling that right now. And so with the remainder of our time, I want to I spend this time. It's going to feel like the most unspiritual, like, I don't even know how to describe this. It's going to feel like you're back in school of some sort and you're hearing a teacher talk about it, but it's not going to be a consumer like piece. Like you're going to have to actually participate in this. All right. I already primed the pump for you making you read out loud. All right. So you're ready for it. You're, you're already kind of going. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to simply like look at a way for us to hear from God regularly. All right. That's all we're doing. All right. That's all we're doing. This is us 
Imagine we're a ship at sea right now. We're learning how to hoist up the sails so that we can move, all right? Because otherwise we're just stuck. We're not going to go anywhere. This is us learning to hoist up the sails so that the wind of God, God's Holy Spirit, can blow and move us and change us so that we can actually experience what David says in his word, that God's word is more valuable than anything and more enjoyable than anything, all right? So here's the, here it is. It's a method for reading the Bible. Dun, 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 dun. It's called the hear method, right? To hear from God. Really creative, all right? Um, I want to demonstrate this method for you. So like, I'm really serious. Like, I'm going to make you guys, like, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I do have folks who are in the back that are going to be walking around and checking to make sure you're doing your homework, okay? I hope you know I'm kidding. My goodness. All right. We're going to demonstrate this method. We're going to, I'm going to talk through it, and then I'm going to show you a journal entry of mine where I did this method, not in like a home run, easy passage, but like I did it in Deuteronomy, okay? For my real life, real read through the book plan, Deuteronomy, all right? And then I'm just going to give some really practical recommendations as like, here's how you should think about this. Deal? You, if you're ready, if you're at home and you're ready, can you give me a thumbs up? If you're here, can you give me a thumbs up that you're ready? Okay, great. All right, here we go. We've adopted a reading plan and journaling method called the HEAR method. And um, this is how, like, I really believe, guys, if you'll do something, what's more important than, than this method is a plan, and I'll get to that in a second, but if you'll do something that helps you regularly encounter God's Word and listen to it and sit under it, it will change your life. It'll change your life. It really will. And so you can see this on the screen behind me. This feels overly simplistic, um, but highlight, explain, apply, respond, all right? This is what this looks like. Um, And let me just give this word. I think we oftentimes misdiagnose our problem with Bible reading and prayer of why it's not going well, or maybe why we won't do it at all. Um, And it's often we like misdiagnose it. We think, well, I don't have enough time in my day. And to that, I would say, well, let's get your phone out and let's look at our screen time. And then let's re-ask the question, do I have enough time? All right? Like, we have enough time. I'm not even going to argue with you on that one. All right? We have enough time. So we often think it's, we don't have enough time. Another common misdiagnosis is that we often think uh, that we don't really, like, know where to start. We don't really know what we're reading. We don't really have a plan. And so we just kind of don't, right? It, that, I'm just being honest with you guys. Like that's, that, that's what's most often misdiagnosed, right? And so we don't have a plan. We think we don't have enough time and we don't know where to start. But oftentimes it's this. This is the common denominator. We just need a good plan. If we have a good game plan, we will do better. I promise that. Benjamin Franklin, not a theologian, but Benjamin Franklin, said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. I'm sure he was talking about Bible reading. All right. So let's look at this method. Um, Here's what I'm going to encourage you guys with. We have a Bible reading plan where you can read through the Bible with our church family. Um, It's on our website, theheightsdenver.com forward slash reading plan. All right. Go there. Um, it, has all, it has this in more detail of like, here's how you can read, here's how you should journal, here's how you should pray. We just want to make that, we want to give you a place to start if you have nowhere else to start, okay? So use a plan, and then after you've done your reading, so we're pretending like we've done our reading for the day, 
we're going to say, how do we actually work through this here method, all right? The first is we're going to highlight something. So we're going to, we're going to say, okay, highlight. And these are some questions. You can take a picture of the screen. Um, you can write these down. But these are some questions that help you think about what's my highlight today from my Bible reading. Some questions are, what is the one verse or verses that really jumped out to you? Like, what's the things that are like, oh, I'm still thinking about that even though I'm finished reading. Where did you find yourself slowing down and thinking a little bit about a verse? Like, oh, that's interesting. Did you underline or mark a specific verse as you read? If you did, then write it down. That's your highlight. The idea here is like we can read chapters and chapters and chapters, and that's great. And we want to be consuming Bible. We want, we want to be a Bible-saturated people. But we also want to say, what's one bite? Like, what's one bite I can take today and think about this one verse today, okay? So that's the purpose of highlight. Find that verse. Highlight. The second is E, explain. This is so straightforward. Explain the meaning of this verse in the best way that you know how. In the context given, the few verses that surround it, like just write out a two to three sentence. Here's what this verse means. Not what it means in my life. If you're doing that, you're jumping the gun. We're not there yet. But here's what this verse means in its context. The best that you can. That's E. That's explain. A is apply. Apply it. How does the meaning of this verse, here we go. This is where you, this is where we were going. How does the meaning of this verse intersect with my life right now? So what does the Bible say here? And how does it intersect with my lived reality right now? What am I going through? How is God, aka, using this verse to speak into my life right now? That's apply. Some questions. How might God be using this verse in a big or small decision in your life right now? How might God be using this verse to encourage you in your current discouragement? Are you discouraged? How is God using the word to encourage you? Or flip that, how might God be using this verse for someone in your life that needs to be encouraged right now? Like, how incredible is it when the Lord gives us a word for someone else? Like, when we're able to say, hey, Pat, I was reading the Bible, and I thought of you. And I feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you with this. Like, how encouraging of a community of people is that? Apply. How might God be using this person so, uh, for someone in your life that needs encouragement right now? How might God be correcting your thinking right now? How might God be using this verse to remind you of something that is true about him, something that you need to trust about him? How might God be using this verse to lead you to repentance of a particular sin in your life? Like, this is us applying the Bible in our lives. And then lastly, our respond. In light of you applying, how should you respond? This is where we typically never go, all right? In our Bible reading, we're like, great, here's what, here's what the verse says, here's what it means, here's how it applies to me. But we very rarely say, how does this Bible passage elicit a response from me? Like, what is God calling me to do? What obedience is he calling me And so I've given a whole list of options here. Sometimes this looks like writing out a short prayer to pray. This is what it looks like for me most days. I read the passage, I highlight it, I explain it, I apply it, 
and I write out a prayer for me, I write out a prayer for my family of how God is recalling me to respond to that Bible verse on that particular day, all right? So sometimes it looks like writing out a short prayer. Sometimes it looks like a tangible action we need to take, aka something we need to do, like get up off of our rear ends and do something, right? Sometimes it's the opposite, something we need to stop doing. Like the Lord's like reining us in. He's using the guardrails saying, no, 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 you don't want to go that way. That, that, that will harm you, all right? Sometimes it looks like a truth that we need to write down on a sticky note and put where we'll see it often that day, our dashboard, our desk, our mirror, our phone screen. Sometimes it looks like confessing sin to someone in our community group. And then sometimes it looks like us apologizing. We need to apologize to somebody. These are examples. Like there may be so many different ways the Lord calls you to respond as you open the Bible and allow it to, bear, like, to, to come to bear on your life. But our response, it may look different every day, and it probably will. But this is really simple. H-E-A-R, here. This is also outlined in our reading plan that we, I talked about. I referenced that on the website. You can find all this. And we'll be practicing this together in our community groups over the next few weeks. All right? Are there other ways for us to read the Bible and journal and pray? Absolutely. There are tons of really good ways, good methods, good plans there are great methods out there, but we really believe in this method. This is what our staff team uses every, every morning. We really believe in this method. And honestly, this is, this is a method that helps us just get into the Bible and hear from God, learn to trust God, obey God, and speak those words back over one another. All right, so let's do this together. I'm very serious about this. If, you're, if you have a journal, if you're sitting at home, grab a piece of paper. If you're here in person, grab your journal or your phone. And I'm going to show you guys a passage that I worked through. I wrote this last week, so it was the week before that in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And like, I want you guys to see my thought process here and see that it's not rocket science. This is like a fairly straightforward thing for us to do. All right, So I'm going to give you a real-life example. I, you know, like I said, I'm not doing some give me passage, but this is out of Deuteronomy where we would all say sometimes it's hard to like see what is God trying to teach me in Deuteronomy, all right? So here it is. Uh, that morning I had read Deuteronomy 1, 2, and chapter 3, and so I kind of found this little chunk of passage that I was like, this is where I want to focus in on this morning. I found myself drawn here to this guy named Caleb. So, I, and so this, is, this is what that passage says, and the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give, you, to, give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jethnanah. And he shall see it, and to him, he, sh- he shall see it, and to him, and to his children, I will give the land on which he has trodden. Why? Because he has wholly followed the Lord. Okay, so that's kind of the passage I zoomed in on that day. And so as I did this highlight, as I did this here method, the verse I highlighted was that very last part of 36. This is what really jumped out to me. This was the reason I was paying attention to Caleb. And it was because he has wholly followed the Lord. Okay, that was my highlight, simply. So I wrote highlight. This is what, if you look at my journal, that's what it says. So then I stepped back from that and said, okay, what does this mean? I talked about explaining this. So E, 
As I was thinking about the greater context here, Caleb was the only one in his generation who would experience what God promised because he was fully obedient to God. The rest of Israel was a bunch of grum- were, were a bunch of grumblers. Like over and over in Deuteronomy, we see the vast majority of Israel, they grumble, they grumble. Caleb was one of the spies that was sent uh, to look in the promised land. He was the only one with a positive outlook. And I'm like, I don't want to be like the rest of Israel. I want to be like Caleb. That's what my mind was drawn to. That's a, so as I explained that, I, that's, that's where I came from right here, okay? So highlight, explain, apply. How am I going to apply this? This is exactly from my journal, so it's going to have to take me explaining a few things here. But I ask this question, where in my life am I not obeying God wholly? Like, where am I halfway obeying God? Where am I just like partially obeying God? I started asking myself that question. And I started realizing that like Israel and unlike Caleb, I oftentimes found myself thinking about what God can't do. And this example reminded me that it's better, this is a greater sign, to ask the question, what can God do, not be asking what can't God do, right? Does that make sense to you guys? Like, I started thinking, like, I want to think like Caleb in this passage. And so where do I see myself living like this? And I stopped and I reflected. Where do I see myself, like, just kind of like with little faith, halfway obeying God? Where do I live like this? And I gave this to the Lord. I said, Lord, here, here, here are some ways I feel like I'm halfway obeying you. I'm grumbling. I'm being negative. So my response was, don't be a grumbler, Johnny. I wrote that. And then I wrote a prayer for myself. God, I repent of having small faith in grumbling like Israel. Help me to be more like Caleb, a man of overcoming faith. Help me to live today with full confidence that you can do anything. Help me to get out of your way. Simply put. Like that's, that's what I prayed that day. I prayed for you guys. prayed for my family. And that was what my, that's, what, that's how the Lord directed me that morning. Was to stop looking at everything negatively. And start asking, what can God do? What, not like, well, and then grumbling. What, what can God do? That's just one example of, from a few weeks ago, of what this looked like for me. And so here's, here's, what, I, here's what I want to leave you with as we think about this. Like, I, I, I know very well, because I've experienced this, there is a lot of guilt around like, did you read your Bible today? Oh, you didn't? Shame on you. From people standing right here, maybe not here, but like from a, from a, from a stage with a Bible in their hand, kind of hitting you with it. And like, I want to give some practical recommendations, but the last thing I would want to do is like heap guilt onto you here. Like, I want you to see that this is not a duty to like be obligated to do, but actually this is a delight that we get to enjoy. That if what's said about the Bible in Psalm 19 by David, that it's more valuable than anything and more enjoyable than anything, if that's true, or even if part of it's true, like I want us to enter into this time and saying like, okay, Lord, like how can I, how can I work this into my life? If, if, I've, if I don't read the Bible at all, how can, where do I start? Like, can I start a couple days a week? 
If I read the Bible three or four days a week, can I read the Bible five or six days a week? If I'm reading the Bible every day consistently, like where can I immerse myself in, in the Bible more? Because it's a delight for me, not a duty. All right? So I just want to be really careful. I don't want to, I don't, this is not like I'm trying to heap guilt, more guilt on you. All right? We're trying to give some really practical steps for you to say, oh, I can see myself doing that. Okay? So here's some really practical recommendations is get a dang plan. All right? If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. I, I, I found that so true about Bible reading. If I just like open up the Bible, I'm like, oh, I'm going to read randomly today. Like it never goes well. But if we have a plan and we're working a plan, not only do we have confidence in that we have a little plan, but like we're building towards something here. All right? We're moving in the right direction. So get a plan and stick to it. The second is make Bible reading a part of your morning or whenever it works for you. But like, it's not a negotiable part of your day. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's like, well, if I get around to it. But like, make it part of your routine. If we believe that the Bible is what it is, then like, God, we can make, a, we can make it a priority in our lives. So make it part of your routine. Number three is be consistent with it. The idea, I was talking to my community group about this on, uh, on Tuesday night. The idea is not to take in all the, like, it's not about the volume of content you're taking in, but it's actually about the practice of consistency of putting yourself under God's word and allowing God's word to speak to you. Like, so just be consistent. Like, you, you may get two more reading some days than you may others, but it's more important that you're consistently engaging with it than it is that you're getting through a bunch of content. So be consistent. And I say this one, when it gets tough, don't quit. I don't say if, but I say when, because it will get tough. Like it's, there's going to be times where you're reading and you're like, what is this? What am I reading? Is this a genealogy? And it sure is. There's genealogies in the Bible. And you're going to read it and you're going to say, how is this like beneficial to me? And I would encourage you, when it gets tough, don't quit. In fact, download the Bible app of someone reading it to you and follow along and let them read it and you can passively read with it. In fact, download the Dwell app and let Felix read over you. That will really enhance the genealogies, okay? When it gets tough, don't quit. Think about this. Think about Bible reading not as a checking account but a savings account. It's not transactional. It's not that you do something to be able to pull it right back out and use it every day. Some days it is. But it's more like a savings account. It's you day by day storing something away, away, storing truths away day after day after day. So that when you need to make a big withdrawal, which life does that, we have a whole stored up bank of God's word. Another way to think about that is save it up because when life squeezes you, you want Bible coming out. All right. Like you, you want the word of God to like fall out of you when life gets tough or when life is tough for people around you. So think about it less as a checking account and more as a savings account. And the last thing is be in it for the long haul. Like we're not going to learn everything in a week. We're not going to learn everything in a year. We're not going to like be perfect at this ever. But like commit today to say, you know what, Lord, I see your word is valuable. I see it as enjoyable. And it's not always going to feel exactly like that every single day. But I'm believing that. And I want to be in it for the long haul. Like, I don't want to quit. I want to do this for the long haul. I've got a really 
cheesy illustration for that, but I think it's good. So, have you ever heard of Melinda May and how to eat a whale? I had neither. Have you ever heard of teeny Melinda May who ate a monstrous whale? She, she thought she could and she said she would, so she started in right at the tail. And everyone said, you're much too small. But that didn't bother Melinda at all. She took little bites and she chewed very slow. Isn't that a good demonstration of the Bible? Took little bites and chewed very slow. And just like a good girl should, and in 89 years, she ate that whale. Nine decades. So church family, like, let's be a church that's in it for the long haul. That's a really silly illustration. But it's true. Like, how do you tackle this big thing, the Bible? And it's one bite at a time. It's chewing on it slowly. And it's learning to enjoy it. I think moving from duty to delight. From duty to delight. So I I say this. I want to be a part of a church that is really serious about the Bible. Who is saturated in the Bible. We soak in the Bible day in and day out. We come here, we talk about the Bible. We apply the Bible. And we live into the realities that God has for us. So that's the kind of church I want to be part of. That's the kind of church I want to be part of leading. Is a church that loves the Bible, gives ourselves to the Bible, and we're in it for the long haul. One day, one verse at a time. Um, we have a serious practice every series we have a practice, and it's read the book. So read, read the Bible. We have that plan available at theheightsdenver.com forward slash reading plan, and keep it here journal. And I, like, I, I know this is oversimplistic, but I'm doing it, and it's good. Like, I did it this morning, and it's really helpful when you're chugging along through Deuteronomy, you've, through Numbers, or in, you're in places, there's always something that the Lord wants to speak to you if we'll just listen. So church family, I love you guys. I I hope that we will be a church that that does these things and that experiences the type of renewal that God wants to bring to 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 our church, but more importantly, to our city through this. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that uh, you've spoken to us through your word, that we don't have to wonder what you think about us. We don't have to guess if you love us or not, but we know for certain You've demonstrated it through Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And then you've recorded it so that we can continue to go back to it over and over and over and over and over because we're forgetful people. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you that what David promises is true if we'll just engage it. Take one step towards engagement. Lord, we thank you that you've spoken to us through the Bible and that we get to sit under it and listen to you and know know exactly what you think. God, will we be a church that loves your word? Will we take good care to, to read it and to be under it? Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray as we respond, we respond wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen.